Today I'm going to speak on the subject of Jesus as a guest of the enemy. Jesus as a guest of the enemy. And for our scripture readings taken from John chapter 4 and verse 39. John chapter 4 verse 39. After Jesus has ended his conversation with the Samaritan woman, the Bible says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. A little earlier, Jesus spoke to the disciples and he said, lift your eyes up and see the fields are white unto harvest. Lift your eyes from your immediate surroundings. Lift your eyes from your own selves and your own circumstances and see the fields, not one field, the fields are white unto harvest. Who had, prefer, who had prepared the fields unto harvest? Who has done it? The Lord has. And we are to enter into the fields that are ready for harvest. How did the Lord prepare those fields immediately around the disciples and immediately around us? Fields that are white unto harvest. One of the things that the Lord has done to prepare the fields around the disciples and around us is he had sent hunger for his word. The Bible says in Amos 8, 11, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send hunger, but not for food, thirst, not for water, but for hearing the word of the Lord. There is hunger in the world today for hearing the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord is not something human. People are looking for something tangible, something they can touch to satisfy their stomachs, to satisfy their immediate needs. But whatever they eat, after they have finished eating, they're not satisfied. They want something beyond what they can see or touch. Many a time when I travel Throughout the, the world, I, when I struck, strike a conversation with somebody, a perfect stranger, somebody from Muslim background, while I'm talking to him, I deliberately include the words of Jesus without quoting Jesus. I said I was reading the other day and I quote words from Jesus. And immediately that person says, these words are nice. Where are they from? Which book are you quoting? Because the words of Jesus are divine. They are out of this world. 
and people are hungry for words that are out of this world, from beyond. They have enough words. We watch enough television. We read enough papers. We have enough of these things. We need something from beyond. And so God had prepared the world by sending hunger in their hearts. You see, when God created the world and prepared everything for Adam, he had created hunger in his heart. And the hunger in his, in his heart, in his being, for the things that he had already created for him. He had created birds, he created animals, created all kinds of vegetables, created all kinds of uh, fruits. And the hunger he created in Adam's heart is for the things he had already created for him. So when Adam is hungry, he can eat the birds he created, he can eat the animals he created for him, and the fruits and so on. And only the things that God created for him will be satisfied when Adam eats from them. So it is with the spirit that God had created in us that we can only be satisfied by the food that he had created for us to eat. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He, he, he who comes to me, he said that in John 6, 35. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. The only food that will satisfy the hunger of the human soul and will quench the thirst of the human soul is the food that comes from heaven and the food that comes from heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the bread of life. And he said that. And those of us who tried Jesus will say, yes, my soul is satisfied only when I receive Jesus into my life. I remember a conference that I was interpreting at, it was held in Austria. And this was a conference, it was a high level conference for ministers of religion, that means cabinet ministers in their own countries. The, the minister of religion from Egypt and some other ministers from the world coming in. And each one was presenting their own papers. You know, Islam, Islamic papers, uh, Buddhist papers and so on. And there was a cardinal from uh, Rome and he was presented the Christianity. It was a good paper about Christianity. But he ended the paper by saying this. Ladies and gentlemen, let me conclude with these words. Jesus had met the deepest need of my soul. I was almost going to jump from my booth and give him a hug against all protocol. Jesus has met the deepest needs of my soul. It is not about religion. It's about Jesus meeting the hunger of the soul. People everywhere who are hungry, they always look for food to satisfy that hunger. Something, some people think that the only way to satisfy that hunger is like the Samaritan woman with whom Jesus was striking a conversation a little earlier. She thought that marriage is the answer. Should she tried the first, the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth husband, it did not work. Because she was looking into marriage 
that marriage could not possibly meet the deepest need of the human soul. Marriage can meet needs, but not the deepest need of the human soul. So she thought marriage doesn't work. Let me try boyfriend. So number six was a boyfriend. <laughs> Again, it didn't work. And Jesus said to her, he who drinks of this water will never be, will never be, will never be, will, will never be satisfied. But try the water that I will give him out of his belly will gush rivers of living water. And then there is that prodigal son who thought money will satisfy the deepest need of the human soul. So he went to his father in Luke 15, said, give me money. Give me my share of the inheritance. I know that money will meet the deepest need of my soul. So he took his share and started spending money. And people clamor for money. They want more. I want the first 100,000. 100,000, I will live happily ever after. And then he decides, no, 100,000 is not going to do much. 500,000 will be enough. And when 500,000 come along, said, no, I don't think so. Life is very expensive. Let me try 1 million. <laughs> 1 million will not do it. Try 2 million. And then on and on will not meet the deepest need of the human soul until you come to the moment when you say, Lord, I can't meet my, the deepest need. And Jesus said, I told you, I am the bread of heaven. He who comes to me will never be hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty again. Until such moment. What happened to that prodigal son? The Bible says, and when he had spent everything, he became hungry. I thank God for the crisis in the human soul. That was the crisis in my own life. That drove me to Jesus. I thought that money is the, is the thing that will satisfy my life or something else. It never did. Thank God for crisis that will strike in, in your life and see and draw, drive you to your knees. It drove him to his knees and said, I better go back to the Father. And he came back to the Father. Father, I've sinned against you. And when he came to the father, the father had prepared the fatted calf for him. Son, I have been waiting for you. And you know, if you're still looking for something to satisfy the deepest need of your, of your soul, remember the father is still waiting. He's still waiting. Just all you need, come as you are. You don't need to freshen up. You don't need to put yourself in a better condition. Just come as you are, as the song says, just as I am, without one plea, you'll find the Father open with open arms waiting for you. God had prepared the fields for the harvest by planting hunger in the human soul. God had also prepared the field by putting eternity in the human soul. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God had planted eternity in the hearts of man. What does that mean? It means there is that eternal perspective in the human soul wanting something beyond the visible, beyond the tangible, beyond the audible. I want something beyond. I want something that my hand does not touch. I want something that my eyes cannot see. I want something beyond. So people look for the clairvoyance and look for something in the wrong places. 
and they are disappointed again. They can't find it. Jesus knew all that when he received the urgent invitation from these people, from the Samaritans. You see, the Samaritans and the Jews were never good friends. As a matter of fact, they were downright enemies. They hated each other. And the Bible says that the Samaritans and the Jews would not eat from the same plate with each other. They don't mix with each other because the, they, had, they hated each other. They don't like each other. And as a matter of fact, if a Jewish man living in Jerusalem wanted to go from Jerusalem to Galilee up the north, they had to go. The route will have to take them through Samaria. They preferred to take the long route through the river Jordan down there in order not to go through Samaria. Why? Because for them, the Samaritans were impure people because they are mixed race. They're not the pure race, according to the Jews, because they have the, a corrupted Bible. The Samaritan Bible was a mixed Bible. They, had, they have taken something from the, from the Old Testament, from, the, from Moses. They added a few things to it and added pepper and salt to it and made their own Bible. <laughs> and, you know, they, they also have their own priests were, were, were unofficially ordained. And they have their own temple, which was a little different than the, the temple of the Jews. So for them, they have the wrong religion. And I don't mix with people from the wrong religion. I, I have my own religion. I am the pure religion. They have the wrong religion. So they have a parody of a religion. I don't mix with them. Jesus knew that. And he accepted the invitation of the enemy. Come and stay with us. And Jesus came to stay with them, not for a cup of coffee, as I just read. He came and stayed with them for two full days. He ate with them from the same plates they were eating. You know what that means? I am one of you. He drank with them the same cup. He slept in the same beds they slept at. And then they start hearing what Jesus was speaking. What was he speaking about? You know, John, in chapter 21, Jesus, John said, and Jesus spoke so many other things that the Bible could not contain, that are not written in the book of, in the book of John. It's possible that Jesus spoke some other words that were not contained in the Bible. What were some of those words? Could be something like, you know, from the, from the Sermon on the Mount. With something similar of what Jesus said. Love your enemies. You know, talking about relationship between them. And those Samaritans who were hated by the Jews are listening to a Jewish man speaking about love. See, Jesus went to them driven by love. He went to enemy territory driven by love. For God so loved the world. They saw that love in him. They were mixing with somebody who, had, who was just full of love. When they heard him speak, 
they said, these words of this Jewish man are from beyond the earth. It couldn't be from this earth. These words couldn't be earthly. It's from beyond. And as they were dealing with him, they said there's something about this man that could not be done by Jewish people. Something else, something beyond, something could be divine maybe. And then when they touched him and said, what is it about this man? There is something that we cannot handle. We know how people deal with things, how people say things, but this man is unusual. What is it about him? We are his enemies, and yet he's dealing with us as his friends. This guy loves us. We're his friends. We're no longer his enemies. That's why they commented, he said, we know. We, we no longer believe because of what this woman said. We, we know who he is. He's different. You see, the Jews considered the Samaritans as people who are below their standard. Something, I don't deal with you. You know how much one of the disciples of Jesus, or two of them actually, John and James, came to Jesus and said, Jesus, may we have a request? Yes? What is your request, John and James? May we ask for fire from heaven and come down and get rid of these lots called the Samaritans. We want just ethnic cleansing from them from planet Earth. We don't want them to exist on planet Earth. This is one request we have for them. We, we want nothing else. Just get rid of the lots. We want to exterminate them. Can you believe two loving disciples of Jesus want to get rid of the whole lot of Jews? They want fire from heaven to come down on them. This is how much they love them. And these were disciples of Jesus who were listening to Jesus who says, love your enemies. I don't know how they missed that one. Maybe they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. By the way, by the way, Jesus did bring down fire from heaven on the Samaritans, but not the way they wanted. Because in Acts chapter 8, when the Samaritans received Jesus into their lives, the disciples sent two disciples, and one of them was John, to pray for the Samaritans who believed so that the fire of the Holy Spirit will come down on them. <laughs> Different kind of fire. So be careful what kind of fire you want to bring down on people. <laughs> so these are different. So they said, we are hated by the Jews. They don't like us. We are their enemies. But this guy is really loving us. Everything about him is not earthly. Everything about him is divine. And then, you know, as, a, as the verse says, God has planted eternity in their hearts. And there is that longing in the human heart for God. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever heard an atheist fighting in a war 
and hearing the bullets flying around him and said, uh, you know, Stalin, where are you? Stalin, help me. No, they said, God, help me. You know, because there's always that yearning in the human heart. God, where are you? And they said, could it be the one who is with us? A representative from God? Maybe. Maybe God appearing in the flesh. Maybe the invisible God is now visible with us. Maybe. Maybe the God we wanted to hear him. This man is speaking the very oracles of God. Maybe he is God. Maybe God who is intangible. We, we, we can't touch him. What do we expect of God? I ask many of my Muslim friends. I, ask, I just ask them a question. I said, tell me, what do you expect God to be? Tell me. What do you want God to be? And every time they tell me, they give me the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Every time. I said, uh, I'm, I have good news for you. He came uh, to visit us 2,000 years ago. He said, why didn't anybody tell me about this before? I said, I know I'm a little late, but actually he came down 2,000 years ago. Every time. Great is the mystery of godliness. God appeared in the flesh. And they saw him. He said, we've seen him. God appeared in the flesh. We have heard him. We've seen him. We've touched him. We know that he is the savior of the world. That's what they said. The enemy testified about one member of their enemy that this Jewish man is not our enemy. He is the savior of the world. And I'm asking us the question. If Jesus is living in us, what do people say about us? When they look at us, what do we betray to the others when we deal with them? When they touch us, when they hear us, when they deal with us, what do they see in us? Do they see in us exactly like everyone else? We're just like everybody else. If we don't reflect the Jesus like Jesus reflected himself to the enemy, if we don't reflect that, why not? Why are we not reflecting the Jesus that Jesus reflected himself to the Samaritans? Why aren't we reflecting him? Ask yourself the question. 
Why aren't people asking us the question, who are you? Because surely the Samaritans asked Jesus, who are you? We know you are a Jewish man, but who are you? You're different. Your words are different. You're treating us differently. Your, your every action, everything about you makes you different. Who are you? I'm sure he did not say, I'm the savior of the world. They, he said, we have heard him. We know he is the savior of the world. When people work with you, when you're dealing with people, what do they say? Let me ask you another question. Who are the Samaritans in your life? The ones that you look down to. Ha! Ha! He is a Samaritan. You know, one day, Jesus was accused of being a Samaritan. We know you are a Samaritan and that you have a devil as well in you. You know what Jesus said? I don't have a devil in me. But he never said, I'm not a Samaritan. And you know something? I give the salute today for Jesus. Because he's a true gentleman. Because he's, if he said, I'm not a Samaritan, he would have put the Samaritans down. And he said, I don't belong to such group of people as Samaritans. They are below me. Who are the people who are below you? According to you, who are they? Every one of us, every nation in the world, has within its own group a people who are looked down to as Samaritans. They are below us. Either in a level of education or level of behavior or some kind of level. India has its own. I won't start naming things now. But you understand me, or shall I speak Chinese? <laughs> Which I don't know. But let me not talk about countries. Let me talk about us here. Who are your Samaritans? Maybe your own neighbors. Maybe members of your own family. People you look down to. He is not worth dealing with. Is always marginalized. Or maybe he's somebody who believes in a book which is corrupt. A book which is not like the book you believe in, like your Holy Bible. A book which is corrupt. Which is not the canon that you believe in. A book, not like your book. They have a, a worship center different than the church that we are in it right now. They have customs and habits that are different than your own Christian habits and customs. And you look down to them. And you say, I don't want to deal with people like this. 
they are my Samaritans. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Maybe these are the ones God wants to send you to. Maybe God wants you to be Jesus to them. To be incarnated to them so that they can see Jesus in you. You will be the fragrance of Jesus to them. You live with them. And they see Jesus in you. They smell Jesus in you. They see the light of Jesus in you. You will be sold to them. And Jesus will be lifted high. And they will say, who are you? And you'll be able to explain to them. Francis of Assisi says, you must proclaim the gospel always. If necessary, use words. But we need to use words when people ask us the question for the reason of the hope that is within us. Who are we? We are followers of Jesus. Jesus living in us. And we reflect the image of Jesus to a world hungry for Jesus. Jesus has placed hunger in the hearts of people, has placed thirst in their hearts. He has put eternity in their souls. And we are the greatest appetizers for Jesus. And so when they see us, they say, wow, who are you? You have caused me a great, you have opened my appetite. Who is it? What is it about you? Tell me. Jesus, tell me about Jesus. I was once invited to Libya to serve as a consultant for some company. I served with a, with a Korean uh, engineer for 10 days. His English was poor, but, he, but we could get along. On the last day, he said in his poor English, he said, Mr. Victor, I said, yes. You, what about you? I said, what about me? <laughs> you, secret, you, secret, what about you? I got the message. I said, Jesus. <laughs> he said, you, Jesus, me, Jesus. <laughs> I said, you know Jesus? No? You want Jesus? Yes. I said, okay, let's bow. We bowed in prayer. He accepted Jesus. He has been watching me for 10 days. I had no idea who was watching me. But then he told me this story. He said, seven months earlier, he was involved in a car accident with six other passengers. All six were killed except him. He was the only one. And then he told me he knew the reason why he was alive, that I would come, I would share the gospel with him in a way he understood. And he was watching me, and he accepted Jesus. For 10 days, he was watching my life. And I asked for the question. And I asked my question, our life is a show for the world. What do they see in us? 
I really pray they will see Jesus and they will ask the question, what is it about you that makes you tick? You're different. I want us now to make a stand for Jesus, a fresh stand for Jesus, and say, Jesus, here's my life again. I want to give it back to you. I want from this day onward, everything I say to reflect Jesus, everything I do to reflect Jesus, everything that people around me see to reflect Jesus. And Jesus, I want to be a missionary to the Samaritans, starting with my own family, with my own neighbors, And wherever you want to send me, I'm ready to go.